Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Three, two, one. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing. Nothing but pure sports. This is the JP Show. JP, it is so good to hear you back on the air. Stand by. Now, here's JP. All righty, a hearty good morning here from our studios in Orlando and Nick Geddes back at our RHS TV studios in St. Petersburg. It's uh, been a very interesting weekend of Rays baseball and unfortunately some departures from your Tampa Bay Lightning as I'm repping your shirt here today. Uh, Alex Kalorn, longtime Lightning player, 11 years with the Tampa Bay Lightning, 11 years uh, signs a deal with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, four years, $25 million, over $6 million AAV for a 34-year-old forward. In essence, I hate to see him leave, but I'm glad that contract is not on the Lightning's books right now. Good morning to you, Nick Ennis. Uh, how are you with my ca- my callous opening of just tossing Alex Kalorn out the door like a jerk? Of course, I'm not doing that, but many will see it that way. Uh, we'll get into his what his impact was, but um, I, I think uh, most Lightning fans were prepared for this, uh, although some of the emotion made me think maybe not. Yeah, uh, good morning to you. Hope you're doing well over there in Lando. You're back from Las Vegas as well. Look like you had a oh, good time. Oh, yeah, we're going to get into Vegas, baby. Look, you had a good time. Uh, yeah, it, one of the more eventful weekends, I think, in Tampa Bay sports in a, in a really long time with yeah. free agency and re-signing, losing Kalorn. I mean, I think some maybe surprising moves the Lightning made over the last last three days or so. Uh, the Rays as well in Seattle, the All-Star Game debacle going on there. Who wasn't selected is the news there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Randy in the Home Run Derby, questionable decisions by the umps yesterday in the game, not helping Terrible the Rays. Call. Terrible call. Terrible call. We'll get into that. Terrible call. We had, yeah. what, Ricky Fowler wins his first PGA Tour event in 1,600 days, and nobody saw it. Nobody saw it. We What's got, going on? <clears throat> PGA Tour, what are you doing? What, what is the PGA Tour doing? Yeah. They're, 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 I know J.M. Monahan's been ill. I, I don't know, you know, we'll just leave that where it is. Um, but what are, what are we doing? <laughs> like, just stupid decisions. I, I thought, Who's running it? Live Golf? Did I thought, Greg Norman suddenly move over to the PGA Tour? I thought hell froze over yesterday. I'm like going through my guide, and I'm trying to find Ricky, and I couldn't find it. But the Live Golf was on the CW yesterday. I could have yeah. watched that. I didn't watch a second of that. I could have watched that if I wanted to, but I couldn't watch the PGA Tour. I tried to watch it again, man. I can't watch Live Golf with the, the clown show on the left hand of the screen. The the, the the I mean I I love a good party like anybody else, you know especially on the golf course. But when I turn on to watch my PGA Tour, I don't want a clown show. I got teams. I don't know who the hell's on teams. I don't know what their teams are called. You're out there in shorts. The music's blaring. It just, I don't know. But I will say this: that leaderboard was a hell of a lot better than the. I won't say a hell of a lot, lot better, but there were more stars on the live board than there were on the PGA Tour board. But uh, I don't know. It, it just it, that was a bad weekend for golf. Which should have been a great weekend for the PGA Tour. Which should have been a monument. You had two guys in uh, 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 Morikawa and uh, and Ricky trying to break droughts. Great theater there, and, and nobody saw it. So we'll get into that a little bit later as well. What the hell's going on with the PGA Tour? Um, but yeah, Vegas. Vegas was incredible. I got so many great stories from Vegas. So we'll get into that as well. But I 
I think, uh, obviously, the lead story is the Lightning. And, look, the departure of Alex Kalorn was, I mean, there was some hope that, you know, maybe he would take a hometown discount. But, come on, when somebody's going to offer you $6.5 million till the time you're 38 years old playing this game, I mean, he did go to Harvard. So he's not really, he's not that stupid. I mean, heartstrings are what they are, but at this point, you know, you, you got to take that money. I thought if, if there was a, if the offers were around four, four and a half, which I think would have been probably more appropriate, um, then maybe something could be done. But when it gets up to that, I mean, it's, he's got to go. And good for him. You know, it's, that's, a, that's a great, a great deal for him. It's a great contract from him. He, you know, helped us such an instrumental piece of winning two cups as an influencer, as a connection to the fans. I, you know, I don't know many guys that have done it better than uh, than Alex Kalorn has, and his tenure here will never be forgotten. You know, I think there's there's certain tiers, right? You you have the you have the um, you know the Marty Vinny Stammer uh, level, and you know that's tier one, and then you have tier two which I think is a pretty elite level, right? That's Palat, that's Kalorn, that's, um, you know, Darren Pupa, Brian Bradley, you know, that, that second tier. Guys that were, are just, will never be forgotten. They're just part of the fabric of this organization, you know? Um, and, and he's there. He's, he's a notch below the guys that are Hall of Famers, which is no knock on anybody, right? Andrew Chuck, Stamkos, St. Louis, Marty, uh, you know, eventually Kucherov gets there. Eventually Vassy gets there and Hedman gets there. And, I, you know, I I don't put Kalorn there. I don't put him there. But he's just below it. And, you know, that's just his presence in Amelie Arena will always be there. I, I expect after he's done in Anaheim, he's, uh, he's moving back to Florida. And he becomes part of our community here. And just part of the Lightning alumni that you see all the time, and you just love to have him here. I think that maybe he gets maybe he gets stars in his eyes, and he loves LA, and, and thinks you know California. If you have a lot of money and can isolate yourself from the crazy, is a great place to be. But you know, I, I for me, if I think Kalorn, he seems more like a Tampa guy to me. Yeah, I, I think ultimately he'll he'll be back in some fashion with this organization. I have no reason not to believe that. But, yeah, I saw a lot of people that were like, you know, oh, Alex Kalorn, how could he do this? He said he wanted to stay. And, oh, you know, stop. I think there might have been a comment, I'd rather retire than not than play somewhere else and all this stuff. Oh, it's like, <clears throat> listen, I, I, I'm just not going to criticize the guy. I mean, this he's 34 years old. He's done. He's the longest tenured player in the history of this franchise. Eleven years with the with the top team, but he's been here in the organization for sixteen years. Okay, wow. then he wasn't wow. here for sixteen years. Marty wasn't here for sixteen years. Stamkos is going to surpass that, like this year or the next year. But he, right now, he's the longest tenured player that was on this franchise. Won two Stanley Cups, memorable moments, goals in the Stanley Cup final, all those things. And a lot of people are like, "Well, if he doesn't want to be here, then good. We don't want players who don't want to be here." I don't think it was that simple. I, I just I kept telling you, I'm like, there's always going to be one team, especially in NHL free agency, that is going to overspend to get a top player. And in a UFA class that was pretty weak, if we're going to be honest here, like I love Alex Kloren as a player, but if he's the top option or one of the top three forward options, that should pretty much tell you the where we're at right now with free agency this year, a little on the weak side. And Alex Kalorn, I, I haven't seen anybody forward-wise that got the money that he got and the term. 
right? No. So, again, this was his last chance to cash out and really get the money that he's deserved, in my opinion. And if you believe the report from Pierre Lebrun, who's the TSN insider, that the Lightning offered him eight years, $2.5 million per, I mean, yeah, you get the security that you're here forever and you'll retire, but $2.5 million per, I mean, you talk about taking a – that's more than half of a pay cut, I yeah. believe, of what he was making last year with the Lightning. It's a lot of money to, to let go. And the tax situation, I get a lot of people are saying, well, he's going to he's, – if you even it out because of the tax in California, I get all that. But it's still a lot of money. I think he's still going to make more playing in Anaheim. It's a team that I think, even though they were really bad last year, they got a lot of young talent there. It's going to keep him young. He's going to be a veteran voice in that locker room. So I think for Alex Kalorn, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good move, in my opinion. Um, and, and the Lightning, I mean, this is, this is what you get when you win two Stanley Cups, right? We're right, not exactly. new to this. How many guys exactly. have we had, to say, we had to say goodbye to that we love? It's I think it works. it's just the way yeah. it works, and I think you'll take the trade off of two Stanley Cups anytime. Absolutely, it's a salary cap league and a hard salary cap league. I mean, it's not like the NFL where you can fudge a lot of this stuff. It's a hard salary cap league, and you know, you just the Lightning could not afford to pay him four million, really, uh, unless you want to give up a couple more players, and they've got to, you know. And, and frankly, I, I think where the game's going, you got to get faster. Um, you know, Alex Klorn is not the fastest skater in the world. And to pay it forward, you know, that much money. Look, they're paying for his experience, his savvy, the leadership to bring uh, to, to that team. The Lightning don't need that, right? They don't need that. They've got plenty of leadership. They've got plenty of savvy. They've got all that. Um, they don't need to pay for that. They, and you can't pay for past performance. And, and that's the thing. And I'd like, I like the fact that Julian Brisebois really – is not a sentimental character. You know, he knew he had to get rid of uh, Ryan McDonough. He did it. He didn't sacrifice the core of the team. He knew, he knew where the, the future was going. Um, it, did it hurt? Oh, my God, I talked to him about it. it it's gut-wrenching. It's gut-wrenching, but it has to be done. And the same thing with Alex Kalorn. You could probably find a way, but you're going to say goodbye to ta- uh, Tanner Janot. You're probably going to have to say the goodbye to... Um, uh, who's up next? Um, I'm a brain fart here. Um, I mean, Hagel, they still have to get yeah, signed to Hagel. an extension. Yeah. Hagel, they got to sign to an extension. Um, and, and they still have to add a few more players, folks. Don't forget that. They still got to add a couple more, probably another, maybe another blue liner. So, yeah. I, I was I mean, they're, up, they're up against it. And if they tried to keep him, and he's 34 years old, my goodness, come on now. Um, you could take that money and add three players, three young players that are up and coming. And the way the Lightning develop players, you just you gotta you gotta have faith in Julian Breesbaum. We'll hear from him in just a second. Uh, it's just it's tough dealing when you've got this many stars. And the other part of it, he knew that this was this day was coming when he signed the Sorelli deal, when he signed the Sergachev deal. Okay, it's not just about you know uh, people say, oh, you know, we could do without him, we could do without. Look, it's not just them. It's Sorelli. It's it's all the rest of these Sergachev and these guys that had to get paid moving forward. And you got to give Stamkos his deal as well to keep That's him around. Right. And and That's I right. mean they don't want to let him go anywhere else. He's going to retire a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And and right. to the point about what they did in free agency, and I know a lot of the deals are really are kind of like smaller deals and stuff like that. If you were to splurge on Alex Kalorn. I don't think they're able to add as many guys as they did in free agency. And you might say, okay, well, a lot of these guys are lower tier. I think it'd be even lower than that 
when it comes to the caliber of player if you try to bring Alex Kalorn back. And, you know, did they expect this? Because, I mean, they traded Ross Colton, and I thought the Colton move was so they could do the best they can to bring Kalorn back. So I don't know if they were caught off guard by that, and that was a trade that they made knowing that, but also you also would have had to give Ross Colton a contract, and maybe they looked down the line and said, that's not feasible for us. He's not part right. of our true core. Right. So maybe that's part of it. But to your point, as we've been saying, the Lightning got to get faster. They've got to get faster, especially in the Eastern Conference, which has a lot of teams that can skate. And if you get in a track meet, I don't trust that this team at this moment can keep up with them. And, I mean, look at the move yesterday, too, where they trade Pat Maroon, which came out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, I think they've kind of told you, based on the the Perry trade, the Maroon trade, they are looking to reshape what they have in that forward death and get more quicker. And do they have to sacrifice some experience? Of course they do. But the good thing is, this roster has played in so many big games. Everybody has experience. I mean, Kel Sergachev is 24 years old. He's probably one of the more experienced defenders in the league, if you think about it, because of all the top hockey he's played and Stanley Cup finals and playoffs and all stuff like that. So I don't think you're really losing much, honestly, when you sacrifice a Corey Perry or a Pat Maroon. I think it actually helps them because you have more speed down there and guys who are also going to be able to throw the body around as well. Right. So I, I think this is just it, it's just necessary. It's it sucks. Um, but that thus is the the world in the NHL hard cap. And I, I've heard I saw a lot of belly aching by fans and some people taking shots at the organization and JBB, uh, Julian Brisebois. I'm like, this is unwarranted. This is unwarranted. Look at the success this team has had, the continued success. Nobody in the NHL comes even close to what the Lightning have done the last eight to ten years, the last five years especially. So you gotta, you got to give a little bit of, uh, of deference here to the Lightning. I mean, we do this all the time with the Rays, right? They make moves and we're like, oh, you know, but, we, but hey, they win on a budget, blah, blah, blah. At least this team spends to the cap. Every, every dollar they can squeeze to these players, they give it out. Um, you know, even if we have to monkey around with the uh, with the injured list, wink, wink, um, the owner's willing to do it. So that's very unlike the race. So I, I, any criticism that's coming at the Lightning, and I know, you know, disclaimer, they are my employer, one of my employers. Um, I'm sorry. Ob- objectively, you got to look at this and say that's that that contract. I'm, I'm happy for Alex Kalorn, and to me. If it was like a $4 million deal as compared to, then I think you might have a little bit of, you could be pissed at Alex Kalorn. This is $6 billion, $6.5 million a year. Come on now. That's $4 million more than the Lightning could were able to offer. And frankly, what the Lightning offered is about, I, I think, what Alex Kalorn is worth going forward. And if that seems mean, I'm sorry. Um, <sighs> to this organization, again, to Anaheim organization, he's worth a lot more because of all those intangibles that he brings. And for them, this is a great move. You want to go get a guy like this that's going to help build the younger guys and teach them what winning a Stanley Cup is all about. That template of, of you know from player and having a leader, that Dave Andrewchuk type of thing, is invaluable for young teams that are trying to build. So I you know I like I, I think the move for Anna. I think they spent a little bit much. Yeah, they did. But to your point, there wasn't a lot out there. Yeah, the, supply and demand. Yeah, it, it's just the way it goes in free agency, and right. and even if you look about Kalorn, I mean how valued he was. <clears throat> I mean, even like a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, he got like four over like four years, four point five million out of Nashville. Kalorn is two years older than Ryan O'Reilly, 
And right. I think pretty comparable players. I'm a big fan of Ryan O'Reilly. I thought he was yeah. fantastic in that series against the Lightning for Toronto. He got four years, four and a half. I mean, Kalorn got $2 million more than that on the same term, which, again, you just factor all that in. How could he pass that up? How could right. he honestly pass it up? I, like I said, I don't think there was another forward on this market that got the money that Alex Kalorn got. I mean, another one, Matt Duchesne. I mean, he, he, this guy scored 43 goals two years ago. Right. And is yeah. two years younger than Alex Kalorn. Has more of a track record of being a goal scorer. You know what he got? One year, three million from mm-hmm. Dallas. I mean, Kalorn really struck, struck iron when it was hot here. Uh, it's a good deal for him. And he'll be back. Trust me, he'll be back in this organization. But he gave you 16 years. He gave you 16 years in the NHL in the salary cap era. I mean, that's, that's almost unheard of nowadays. Right. So exactly. you, have to, you have to just tip your hat to Alex Kalorn for what he did and just root for him to have success today and all. And that's all you can really do. All right, let's uh, let's cue up the uh, Julian Brisebois uh, sound if we can here, and and I think he does a great job of explaining a lot of the moves that they have to make, and I applaud him. You know, I, I you know most general managers would knuckle under to the fans uh, and, and and try to do whatever they can to keep Kalorn here because he was so popular, but that's not the right move for the Lightning. It's not the right move for the Lightning, and and it's this is a business. As I said, you know, getting sentimental and paying for past performance is, is a one-way ticket to suck them. And it's, it's no good. And he did the right move. Let's hear from Julian Brisebois. Yeah, we'll do the first one here, him losing uh, Kalorn. Uh, Alex has meant so much to our organization uh, and has uh, a, a very important place in the history of our franchise. Player that was drafted by the organization, developed by the organization, who uh, was came in with that that wave that kind of gave the uh, the, um, the the momentum to our franchise, coming going back to being one of the premier franchises in the league and, and, and bringing the Stanley Cup back to Tampa Bay. Um, tremendous, tremendous leader on the ice in the locker room. Uh, in the community, uh, really happy for him. Um, he's getting a great opportunity in Anaheim. Uh, I know he did not necessarily want to leave. I uh, didn't want to leave. We didn't want to lose him. But sometimes the, the economics of uh, of the business come into play, and we just couldn't bridge the difference and, and couldn't come up with a scenario where we could uh, come up with a contract that was uh, acceptable to him and that would allow us to uh, keep the other players that we want to keep and be able to, to, to have a competitive uh, roster for, for the future. Um, so obviously disappointed that to, to see him go, but very happy for him and excited that uh, we are bringing in some new players and those new players, I think, help uh, reestablish our identity uh, because they are all fast. Uh, they're all Relances four checkers. They're all responsible uh, defensively. They're hard to play against, and I think that that's going to uh, help us be a, a very competitive team uh, going into the next season. And, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, you know, that's what it's all about. It's about moving forward. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the guys that they got uh, with Eric Erlinson, who will join us at ten thirty. Lightning Insider, the best of the best. Um, and what the new lines may look like as well. I think they, you know, just a quick note for me, I think they did okay. I think they got some guys that uh, are faster, 
Um, you know, more tenacious, tougher guys. I, I think the Lightning will be a tougher team to play against, which is something that John Cooper always harps upon. Um, you know, faster, more. And we've seen this a little bit in the league. These, these smaller guys, smaller, tougher guys that are just relentless, you know, very, um, you know, the Yanni Gords uh, of, of the world. And I think this is where the game is going, quite frankly. Mikey Asimov, Um And they need some more of these guys. So we'll see. Yeah, and the Con- the Connor Sheary, I, I, he's the big one Connor here. Sheary, love it. I think it's a great addition. He's played with Crosby and and Malkin before with Pittsburgh and won cups. He played with Ovechkin here in, yep. in Washington and did very well there. I mean, that's a guy that can score twenty. He's not out of the question that guy could score twenty twenty five goals no, if he's playing no. with the right guys, undersized. But the Lightning know how to use those guys to the best of their ability, like you mentioned. I mean, I think that's a guy where two months into the season you're going to forget. I think about Ross Colton probably a little bit because yeah. he's going to kind of help alleviate that loss. I think. Yeah, all right, so we'll hear more from uh, JBB a little bit later on on some of the other players. want to transition here into the Lightning, um, to the Rays since uh, we're going to hit, talk to Eric Erlinson here. Um, tough weekend for the Rays for a lot of different reasons. You blow a 6-1 to lead. Uh, the bullpen was not good this weekend. Uh, Glass now was okay. Um, McClanahan, okay. Uh, Taj Bradley, not okay. And, and I don't know, it was just a weird weekend. A weird, weird weekend, and I kind of want to start with the, you know, with the play of Paredes and Ty France yesterday. Yeah, this is a classic example. You didn't see the play. Uh, Ty France or um, who hit a chopper? Uh, some guy hit a chopper. Uh, Hernandez hits a chopper, and Paredes is coming in. Guy on second, Ty France, and he's coming in to, to get the dribbler. The play is right ahead of Ty France. I mean, he's got and had such an easy. You just see guys do this all the time. You've got to look at the fielder in front of you, and you see him charging, and you move behind him. That's This is a basic play. The runner has, especially with the play in front of him, has the obligation to not impede the fielder. An original call is obstruction. You're out. It's an easy call. And then Scott Service, the, the Mariners manager, says, no, 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 the ball was past Paredes. And this is, I mean, first of all, you know, that's kind of a bang-bang part of the play. The larger part, and this is where these umpires, I think, sometimes like to hear themselves talk and like to tell everybody they know the rule book. Like, if the ball's past the, the, the fielder, then technically that's, it's not interference. Okay, technically, look at the, the, the spirit of the rule is not to have the, the fielder, imp- not impeded, smashed, by the runner who clearly can see the fielder coming. I mean, to, to act like the, in some way, and this is what the umpire said, that Paredes, the ball was past him and he was impeding the runner from scoring, that's asinine. That is so asinine. That's, that, this, is, this is nitpicking. All right, this is, you know, a blade of grass touching the football as a guy lays out and makes an unbelievable catch Pulls it into his body. 99.9% of the ball is controlled and in his body. And controlled. 100% of the ball is controlled. But a blade of grass, and you're going to call it incomplete. No. No. This is egregious, and it cost them the game. It's a 6-2 game at that point. Both those runners score. They go on to make it 6-5 in the third inning. It's the game changer. And it's a horrible call. It is a horrible call. It's just over-officiating and over-umpiring at its finest. 
and it's awful. It's it, this wasn't even. I, I don't even think it's a close call. It, you know, it's not even close. Yeah, I, I didn't think so either. And I, my first thing is I feel for Todd Bradley in that moment because, and you know, on his point, his ERA is you know it's over five now and. Man, I I just don't think he's been that bad. I don't think that number indicates no, what he he's been. I really don't, and I close. I feel like when he gets in trouble, it usually is one inning that blows up yeah. on him when he has these and outings. It's usually like two flares. I mean, look at that. That's ball. what I was. What's, what's, what's that? Thirty miles an hour off the bat. Yeah, I, mean, I was weak contact. I was going to say. I mean, if you're into like the the analytical numbers there and some of the the sabermetrics of bad luck, I mean. I can't think you can argue that Todd Bradley has definitely had that. It just seems like those type of things happen when he's on the mound for whatever reason, and then that inning gets away from I mean, the momentum. It's just the momentum switch that I think that that created and allowed Seattle to get back in there. Now, again, if you're the Rays, I mean, you do have to say you got off to such a hot start with six runs in two innings or whatever it was, and then, what, one hit from the, from the fourth inning on? I mean, you still got to hit. I mean, I think that's the bottom line there, right? I mean, you, we, we can bitch yeah. about the call, but, you know, the Rays still had a pretty good cushion. You'd think they'd be able to come alive with the hitting, but it just, they let Castillo, and I mean, give credit to Castillo. I mean, he's an all-star for a reason. He settled in and ended his day nicely, and the Seattle bullpen, which hadn't been really great in this series, came yeah. through for them. But uh, just it, it was just a weird, weird series, I thought, which, again, these West Coast series, I'm, I'm so ready for the Rays to just get yeah. out. Of the West, is this it? I think they're done with them. I think I, they're done with them. Yeah, now. please. I'm, I'm hoping this is it for the West Coast because it just seems like everything's been weird for this team. But yes, that play definitely had a huge impact on the game, and I, I hate it for Todd Bradley and obviously Isak because he had to come out of the game, which as well, which did not help. You lose a big bat in your lineup, a guy who had another home run yesterday, up to 14. He's been great this first half. Uh, but yeah, it just again weird series for the Rays, and you mentioned the bullpen. Wasn't that great? I mean, the Rays actually ended June having, like, the best bullpen in baseball, if you can believe it. They actually turned things around. Um, I, I think you could, you could probably question some of the decisions of who came in in certain spots. Like, Jalen Beeks comes up for McClanahan, and in that moment, in a close game on, uh, what was it, Saturday? I believe yeah. it was, and it's 3-2, yeah. and we're going to Jalen Beeks. Eh, probably would disagree with that one a little bit. Uh, so early in the game, though. It is I mean, early in the else, game. Who else are you bringing in? It is, but I'm, I'm a fan of putting in your high leverage guys in whatever situation it is. If it's a close game like that, I, I feel like you'd go with your high leverage guys. And not be. And Beeks is not that, in my opinion. And, I, and I'm not trying to nitpick Kevin Cash or anything, but my observation yeah, it there. Make, it can make, yeah. Uh, it can make a and even like a, a Deekman. I mean, I had to look this morning because I was like, I don't think. I'm like, where the hell was Jake Deekman this series? Uh, he pitched a zero and two thirds. Okay, that's it in this whole entire series for a guy who hasn't given up a run in, like, his last 13 outings. So I'm questioning That's that. Surprising. I'm like, where did he yeah. go? Jason Adam, my goodness. You t- the worst of Jason Adam yesterday where, I mean, that inning got away from them too, and he didn't even give up a hit. Just two yeah. walks, two hit-by-pitches. And he's, just, he's got no control right now. He's just got he no control is, right now. It's hard to yeah. watch. It's bad. Um I, I just—it it seems like this is just a middling team right now. Well, no, um, I don't want to say that though, because as much as we banged on them in the month of June, they ended the month of June with the best record in the American League. Sixteen yeah. and ten was the best. That's the funny thing about this team is we're like wait, sixteen and ten was the best record in the American League. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like we're nitpicking this team and you know middling, wow. and they're not playing their best baseball, but they still. We're the best team in the American League in the month of June. It's like the standards of this team, we just have it so high right now. It feels like they're not playing their best baseball, but they've still found a way to call and scratch their way to wins. 
and be above water. And that's what I said. If they were going to pick a time to kind of scuffle just a little bit, they picked a good time because the American League is kind of at its lowest at the moment. So with all that being said, I don't know if I go as far as calling them like they're middling right now. I think it's just typical wear and tear. They've played more games than everybody. Two West Coast trips like that back to back. It's not. It's, it's not hard. For, it's not easy for any team. And then obviously the issues they have with some of the injured list guys and McClanahan added to that as well. Yeah, the McClanahan thing is starting to bother me. Um, I know it's not a lower back injury, which is good, but up just. Uh, again, our pitchers. Why can't we keep them healthy? It just it's it's disturbing. It's just disturbing. And um I don't know. Let's just hope that he's he's ready to go and and God it sucks the timing too cuz the All-Star you know, he, game, yeah. <laughs> he he cuz he starts this All-Star game. Don't you think? Um I think he's definitely one of the two or three names that you'd consider. Yeah. You start two All-Star games in a row. You're starting to get into rarefied air. Yep. I mean, rarefied air. And baseball, you know, is about numbers, right? And so when it comes to Hall of Fame and all those things, those things really, really matter. And he had a chance to do that, which is so it's not that he won't get another chance. He, he may start another all-star game, but you just never know. He pitched well enough in this first half to get that. And that would have been really, really nice for him to get that. Um, <laughs> of course, it certainly will, it's going to cost a raise on the back end, too. Uh, but speaking of that, something I wanted to get into. Uh, and Wander had a nice weekend. Defensively, he made some plays that, you know, I, and I think since the benching, he seems to be a, be, a little bit of a better, he's, he certainly has his emotions better at check. Yesterday, he even gives Randy his, his, his uh, sunglasses, right? So, I mean, nice little, little exchange there. That's important. You know, I know it seems little, but it's, it's important. And, I think he got it, and I think the best thing that happened this weekend, and many might disagree with me, is that he didn't get elected to the All-Star game. Now, he still might be able to go with uh, with with an injury, but, you know, Bo Bichette was the guy who kind of, you know, because Corey, I mean, Corey Seager, uh, he's the guy that I'm going to say, you know, what's up with that? Uh, are, I mean, are you, though? He only plays, only played like half the, the first half. But my goodness, he played at an MVP level when he was out there. I know, I know, but to me, showing up matters. Well, you know, yeah. it's, it's about, you, you get to an all-star game because of your first half, okay? That's what you're supposed to be judged on. And he's got half of a first half. You know, it, it's harder to play the whole, st- to whole, I mean, baseball's a game of failure. The more you expose yourself, the more failure you well, have. Well, I, I understand. I mean, also, he could have put up bigger numbers. You could say that as well. I'm just saying that, especially, you know, especially in that lineup, too, where you're just, you know, I, I Listen, I understand, though, but even in, like, well, so Wander played 80 games, and Seager played uh, 52, and he's only he's only trailing Wander in that time by 17 hits, he has seven more RBIs, and he's hitting 351. I mean, I, I'm I, that one doesn't bother me, and also, he got voted in from the fans, so that becomes a separate issue, in my opinion, because the mm-hmm. fans voted him in. Yeah. Bichette deserved it. My, I, I mean, I said yesterday on Twitter, my only gripe is that Whit Merrifield. I mean, what the hell? And don't give me don't yeah. give me the crap about oh well he plays second base, Wander plays shortstop end of story. Come come on. You, you I mean shortstop, second base, all those guys can play second for an inning. It's not gonna kill them in an all star game. I just didn't understand why exactly. we're just tokening putting Whit Merrifield in there, whose numbers are nothing close to Wander Franco. It's like as it's like as if they said, Oh well he came in second in voting, so we might as well put him in. 
and then you create where but the. I'm, bl- glad. I'm glad. Yeah, you I'm might glad, be glad, glad but Wander's, I'm glad you might Wander's be glad. Going. You might be glad, but I'm not. It doesn't sit well with me that the Rays had three All Stars and the Blue Jays, who sit fourth yeah. place in the AL East, get four. It doesn't sit well yeah. with me one bit. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, I think Eflin um, was certainly could have. Maybe gone. he should replace McClanahan. Uh, he should replace McClanahan. Yeah. Well, McClanahan's going to go. He's going to go, he's but he's not going to. He's not going to pitch. Go, he's going to join. Yeah, yeah. If they can do that, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the Rays definitely deserve more. But I just think in the long term, you know, if and I wonder, I wonder since you know now it's this triumvirate of baseball officials that name these. They've taken away from the manager because managers have abused their privilege. Shocking development. Um, you know, and we don't really know who this, you know, who the, this panel is. But I wonder if they looked at the fact that Wander was benched and said. You know, Bo Bichette, we'll we'll send you. We'll send you instead. You play. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to beat this dead horse. But um, you know, you're playing the game with more more respectful than Wander is. We'll give you the nod. If that was the case, or you know, you know maybe the Rays said. Eh, well, I if just Wander think, doesn't go. Maybe we're not we're not that upset. I just think Bo's numbers are straight up better than Wander's. They are. I don't they think are, there's anything wrong with saying no, that. I just, no, well, no, I just would have sent all three. Offensive numbers. Yes, yes. Who leads? Who leads? You know, your war. You know, you're the war guy. Who leads the American League? And I think baseball in war. Well, outside of Otani, it's Wander Franco. Yeah, Wander Franco, right? Yeah, that, so, that's a fair assessment. If you look at the top ten in war, the only guy who was on that list that didn't make the All Star game was Wander Franco, and he's third behind Otani and Acuna. Right. So, I mean, right there, he he. You can make the case that he's. It deserves a better Bob Bichette. But again, I'm, I'm okay with it because I think you put him on the all-star team and all of a sudden it's it's another, um, you know, it's another one of those, hey, you're the greatest, you're the best, nobody can touch you, go do your thing, do whatever the hell you want to do. It just gives him more license mm-hmm. to be more, more wander. And I think this is good that he has to chase the all-star game now a little bit more. And do it next year. Now he'll probably be might might get on added because of uh, I think injuries, he will. but I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I tell know. me I'm wrong. I mean, I didn't I didn't have that opinion. <laughs> I did okay. not. I didn't have that opinion at all. I mean, I'm just looking at the only thing I can say is like you know we'll get all huffy about all star selections, but the goal is to win the World Series. I mean, right. that's kind of the way I looked at it as well. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah it sucks, and we should have more all stars. And if the Braves are going to have eight, you know, I'd assume the Rays should have you know at least four. Right, I think they've earned that right, and it didn't yeah. happen. But again, you got guys. I mean, they had to. You had to send an Oakland A to the All Star game, and you had to send a Detroit Tiger to the All Star game, and you had to send a Kansas City Royal to the All Star game. So there All was right, always going to be guys to get left out. We've gone over. Our good friend Eric Erlinson is waiting for you to call him. So let's take a break, and uh, we'll uh, move back to the Lightning and get uh, the take from the Lightning inside of the man's been covering his team. Uh, longer than it's been alive, it seems like. Eric Erlinson will join us from his vacation in Ohio. Nice and, uh, enough for him to join us. But we'll uh, take a quick break here. We're brought to you by the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S, lawgroup.com. Get the personal attention you deserve from one of the best law firms in the nation. They're big, but they give you that personal attention. They can take on the insurance companies and get your best settlement. Scott Jeeves, you've heard him on the show many, many times. Great guy, very approachable. Just give him a call. He'll be happy to talk to you and see if you got a case. That's the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S, lawgroup.com. Back in three. Stay with us. Hey, guys. 
guys, are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had? It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old. It's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well. So do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability. Not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. Coming back at you. Now, more with JP on FanStream Sports. Only just begun. Friend Eric Erlinson, Lightning Insider, about all the shenanigans going on over at 401 Channel Side Drive. What's up, Eric? How are you, my friend? I'm good, JP. Do we What's have... going on, man? A little hot. There we are. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Um, uh, how's how's Ohio? Hopefully, uh, I just walked outside this morning early. About it was only about feels like 103 this morning as we walked the dogs at 7 a.m. So hopefully Ohio is nicer. It's about 74 degrees here right now. Nice. Very, very nice. Very, very nice. All right. Lots of shenanigans going on. Um, the Alex Kalorn thing we talked about, uh, that's a lot of money to say no to what Anaheim offered him. Um, and I'm and I'm not trying to be callous when I say this, but I'm glad that contract is not on the Lightning's books. And I will forever love Alex Kalorn and everything he's given this franchise. And I think he'll, you know, he's, I, as I said earlier, I think he's just in that just below tier of the Hall of Famers for the Lightning, the Vinnie Martys. Uh, Stamp coast, etc. But um, 
You know, and I, I'm not mad at Alex Kalorn. I'm not mad at the Lightning. What are your thoughts? I think that's a perfect way to put it because this was just, it was a pure cap situation. We know the Lightning's cap situation. There was a reason why the reported offer they gave them was 2 to $2.5 million on a long-term deal because that's all that could fit under the cap this year. Now, the cap will go up next year, but that doesn't help them this year. So, you know, I, I mean, look, Alex, and don't discount the pressure from the PA as well, you know, to not take that type of a deal when, look, we all thought when Kalorn signed that seven-year deal before with a cap hit of 4.7, they all thought that was a lot of money. And it was. But then you look, it's just like Andre Pilat. Look at the big bump he got because of the cup championships he helped win and the leadership that he can bring. Other teams value that. And when you go on the open market, that's going to raise the price. So from a player's standpoint, you have to at least explore that. I know he didn't want to leave. Well, I didn't want to lose him. I know there's some players that are not happy with the situation, but it's reality. And, uh, you know, Alex Kalorn did a lot of great things for this organization. I wouldn't be surprised if he's back in the organization at some point, sometime soon, once his playing days are over. But at the end of the day, this was a, a business decision that the Lightning had to make and Alex Kalorn had to make. And both are going to be better off for it from a, from a financial standpoint. Maybe not so much on the ice because, let's face it, Alex Kalorn is not going to a cup contending team in Anaheim. But from a financial standpoint, it works out for both, for both teams. And when you look at some of the other moves we made, and I'll, I'll start with the Ross Coltsov one because that was sort of the, the first domino to fall there. Um, you know, I viewed it at first, and I was like, okay, maybe they're trying to do this so they can have more flexibility to, to try to keep Kalorn, and then that didn't happen. Did you view it as it was more that way, or what do you think the reasoning was behind uh, the Ross Colton move? Yeah, the Colton trade was not tied to Alex Kalorn at all because Ross Colton, you know, I, I said this at the end of the season, he was going to be a cap killer because he has arbitration rights, and he has a 20-goal season. You know, he has scored a couple of huge goals in the playoffs, and if that case goes to arbitration, his 1.125, I think his cap it was this year, probably triples, if not more. And again, that's something that the Lightning were not going to be able to work. And we'll get into free agents, but if you look at the free agents that they signed, all of them are under a million except for Connor Sheary. <laughs> that tells you the kind of cap constraints that they are at, and Ross Colton was just not going to be able to fit in an arbitration award, and he would have filed. There's no doubt in my mind he would have filed, um, you know, to, to make it work. So we knew pretty much at the end of the season that Ross Colton was not going to be back this year just because of that reason. And they get a second-round pick, a high second-round draft pick that they use on Ethan Gauthier. Um, that's good value to get back for Ross Colton. Maybe you'd have liked it to be a first, but the fifth pick in the second round, not too bad in what is considered to be probably the deepest draft since 2003. Interesting stuff there, Eric Erlinson joining us here. Um, you know, Corey Perry also gone, and I think I saw he got four million dollars. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Any any other of the departures shock you at all? Hey, put Pat Maroon in there. Yeah, this, the Maroon one surprised me uh, a little bit. Um, you know, just because of what he's meant to this locker room, and you know, he was the guy when they brought him in in 2019 that basically said, "Look, get over yourselves. You lost in the first round last year. You had a great year." get over it. We're, we're on to this year. He was that guy that kind of pushed the team in that direction and, and really had a big key in, in getting that season turned around and eventually landing uh, with the Stanley Cup championship there in the bubble. Uh, you know, he had one more year left on his contract. Uh, so from the intangible values, Pat Maroon still has a lot. If anybody watched the play last year, he doesn't have a lot left on the ice. And I think right. that's what the Lightning saw here. Uh, has, saw an opportunity to be able to shed some salary. They retained 20% 
in the deal, so it's an $800,000 uh, cap hit saving, which doesn't sound like much, but when you're a team like Tampa Bay and you're going to be up against the cap again and you know everything else that Julian and, and Matthew Darsh have been able to do you know, to keep the, the team competitive in the flat cap era, um, it, it's, that's a lot of money to be able to open up and give them roster flexibility. So uh, none of the moves surprised me, departures, except for the Maroon when I thought he would be here for his final year of his career because uh, he's probably going to retire as soon as his contract is over. So it's surprising that they moved him. And then also, I mean, they made a lot of forward additions. When you look at uh, Sheary and Archibald and Glendinning, and a lot of people were, you know, are we going to get a defenseman, right? Because it felt like they needed to add a guy back there. And uh, they made a little underrated move, I thought, yesterday with uh, Calvin DeHaan. And I, I know what, you know, Breezeball had said. They kind of had their seven defensemen mapped out. But is that a guy you think could sneak in uh, and be one of their, their top six potentially by the time we get to opening night? Yeah, I think you can slot him in as number three left-hand side defenseman right now behind uh, Victor Hedman, Mikhail Sergachev. Uh, veteran guy, he can he can eat some minutes. He'll kill some penalties for you. You know, a little similar to Ian Cole, maybe not the same style of game as Ian Cole, but in terms of the role and the minutes that he can play, I think that's a really good fill. And again, the, the value of the contract, right, seven hundred seventy-five thousand. That's almost a league minimum. You know, to bring in a guy that can play some minutes like that, uh, good value. I mean, under the restraints that the team has for the pickups that they've made here to kind of retool this team and give the third and fourth lines in particular a much different look. They're a lot faster. They're going to be a lot more aggressive on the forecheck uh, with with these forwards that they've added. Uh, Luke Glendening coming in as a shutdown center. He's a fantastic face-off guy. To be able to bring all these guys in for basically $4.2 million, that's huge to be able to fill five roles with that kind of money in today's game uh, it's it's an incredible value um, play by by Julian Breezebaugh to kind of give this team a different look. You still got the core; the core is still there. Uh, maybe you don't have the depth you had a couple years ago. We all saw that kind of coming, but it's a different look, and it's going to make them a faster team and a harder team to play against. Eric Erlinson joining us here, Lightning Insider. Um, so, what do you think the the lines look like now? Um, obviously, the top line will will go with. Um, with Hagel, Point, and Cooch, uh, Stamkos, Sorelli, and Shiri on the second line, I'm thinking maybe. Uh, third line, Asimont, Paul, Tanner, Janot. And fourth line, yeah. you know, it could be a, a lot of different things, but we'll see Glenn Denning centering, uh, maybe Kepke and Archibald. Archibald. Yeah, is that, yeah, is that how you see it? That's how it is. The only one that you might look at is, you know, do you bump Stamkos up to play with Point Kucherov? You know, do you load up on that top line? I, I think in the early stages of the season, it's probably the way you want to go and then see if, you know, Shiri and Hagel, who are just two uh, buzzsaws on, on the uh, on the forecheck uh, and winning pucks behind uh, behind the net, if they can mesh with uh, with Sorelli. Uh, but other than that, I, I think those are probably the lines we'll see. I mean, Alex Barry-Boulay is still in the conversation. You know, he had another great yeah. year in the American Hockey League. Um you know, came up and played one game for them this year. Wanted him to work on his defensive game, and in that one game, I noticed more than a few, um, you know, good defensive plays by Alex Barbelay. So, is this the year he's going to finally break through and kind of make it? Can he be somebody that fits in on the second line? You know, so there are some good young players, not A chippers, right? you know, not blue chippers, not A plus prospects, but they have some of them that are still there called Kepke. We haven't talked about Lucas Edmonds, uh, who was their second round pick last year. So, they've got some guys that are on that cusp that could potentially fill some of those roles as well. But I think if you're looking at it right now, those are probably the 12 forwards 
uh, that are going to start uh, opening night against Nashville. And so I guess with the money they have left, we're kind of looking towards what's going to happen with Tanner Janot. Have you been able to sort of uh, pinpoint or ballpark what you think that number and, and maybe term is going to be for Tanner Janot? I think they'd like to get him signed to a longer-term deal if they can keep the uh, the cap hit down. I think that's the goal from Tampa Bay standpoint. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think he might have arbitration rights as well. I think the 5th, so Wednesday, is uh, the last day for players to file for arbitration. We'll see if Jano goes that route. But, um, you know, 2.25, 2.5 million, maybe somewhere in that range if they could get that done. Uh, but, again, if it goes to arbitration, he's got a 20-goal season under his belt. Um, you know, he, he was, uh, I think he was top five for rookie of the year uh, two years ago uh, when he had that 20-goal season and, you know, leads the league in fight. So he has a lot of things in his favor, favor if it goes to an arbitration case. But I think the Lightning would like to be able to get that contract in the 2 to $3 million range if they could. Eric Erlinson joining us here, lightninginsider.com. Uh, what do you think the D pairs look like? I mean, pretty pretty uh, straight from last year. And, um, you know, is there is there a Nick Perbix in the in in the minors or anywhere that that might come up and surprise i don't think there's anybody in the minors right now that's surprised i mean we can keep an eye on sean day um he his game was kind of turned around a little bit he, you know he's one of those guys when he was 15 years old he got uh, uh exceptional status to go into the ohl or a year early so you can kind of see what kind of a player he had the potential to be he's never met it but you know he's he was really good last year for syracuse they missed him in the playoffs he had a broken wrist uh, that kept him out of the lineup uh, down the stretch and in the postseason for them. He's a guy that could maybe step in and, and play some minutes if he needed to. Um, you know, they've got Jack Thompson, who's an offensive right-hand shot defenseman. He's not quite ready for the NHL. So I, I think the eight, you know, that are under contract right now, uh, I would assume we'll go with Hedman and Perbix, just like we saw at the tail end of the year. The chemistry between Sergachev and Darren Radish was fantastic when those mm-hmm. two got together. Um, you know, even in, even that postseason series against Toronto, and then that would leave you know maybe Dahan with with Eric Chernak, and and there we there again we have the issue: who does Eric Chernak play with? Right, that was right. a big thing last year without Ryan McDonough on his left side. It wasn't until you know he got to play with Ian Cole a little bit that they found some chemistry. So now you know Eric Chernak is your top right hand shot defenseman, and is he going to play with Victor Hedman? I don't know. I don't know if he can play with Victor Hedman. He probably needs somebody a little more uh, less freewheeling uh, yeah. to play on his side. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see where, where Chernak and, and Dahan fit in. And, you know, those aren't third-pairing minutes, but that might be the third pair. And I'm sure you've been paying attention to, you know, the entire league, obviously, this weekend and what they've been doing. But for the teams that are kind of around where the Lightning are and, and maybe just in the Atlantic, the Bostons of the world, the Torontos, the Floridas, the teams that they're going to be competing with, do you think any of those teams uh, got substantially better here uh, and made themselves better better teams here going forward for this season? I think Buffalo did. You know, you look at the terrific back end they got with uh, Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power, and now you bring in a guy like Eric Johnson, who was a former number one overall pick, won a cup mm. with Colorado. They're bringing Connor Clifton from uh, from Boston. You know, a good hard nosed defenseman, and they got. I think they got drastically better on the back end. Their big question is going to be in goal. Is Devin Levi the guy? So I, I could see Buffalo taking a jump this year. Uh, Ottawa. I'm not sure what to make of Ottawa. We all thought they were ready to take the next step, but they're looking to move Alex Brinkett. Um, so there's a lot of issues going on with Ottawa. Toronto's the interesting one. They, they bring in Ryan Reeves, uh, Tyler Ventusi, and Max Domi. Does that make Toronto a better team? I don't know. I, I don't know if Toronto's better you know, right now than they were yesterday with, with uh, some of these signings. So uh, the Atlantic's going to be tough, um, but Buffalo is the team that I look at 
uh, that could make a big jump um, out of the playoff picture into the playoff conversation in the division next year. Well, it doesn't really matter because it's Toronto. <laughs> They're not going to win anything. Uh, hey, we had a question from one of our listeners. Uh, Bruce Corsheen says, what the hell happened to Nick Paul, uh, the great Houdini? <laughs> Yeah, his yeah, offense did. disappeared. Um, you know, if if you look at uh, Nick Paul when he was scoring goals early in the year, uh, he was he was getting shots off in the middle areas of the ice, and he was getting them off quickly. He wasn't getting to those areas in the second half of the year, and I think that really hurt, um, you know, his his production. Uh, I, I think he can get back to that. I think he understands what he has to get back to. He was working on other aspects of his game. I mean, he was pretty good in the playoffs in that series against Toronto. Um, you know, he had a couple of goals. I mean, he finally snapped that goal drought uh, right. in the postseason with a huge goal. I think in game five, was it? Or, or uh, game, uh, I forget which game it was, but it was in Toronto. We had that big goal. Uh, you know, but he's, he's still trying to figure out, not figure out, find his place in his niche, right? He played, when Sorelli was out is when he was playing his best because he was playing kind of second-line minutes, uh, you know, primarily with Stamkos and Kalorn. You know, and he dropped him down to a different role. His game kind of took on a different shape. Uh, but you'd like to see him use that big body he has in the middle areas of the ice. That's where he needs to be better on a more consistent basis. All right, Double E's, thanks for taking some time out from your Ohio vacation. Uh, tell your son I said hello and look forward to a new season. Can't wait to get back at it, my friend. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be here before you know it. Yeah, that's for sure. But this long break, I ain't going to lie, I ain't hating it. <laughs> and it feels forever. I mean, this goes to yeah. show you how much damn hockey these guys played over three years. And I, I still tell everyone they're like, oh, the Lightning are broken. They've lost. They only have what eight guys left from the one I mean, from yeah, yeah, from the from the Stanley Cup team. But I'm like, you know what? It's those are the, those. That's the core. This is the league we're in. These guys were just freaking exhausted. There's nothing wrong with this team. And I agree with you with what JBB has done with less than nothing is. Incredible. I, I I like the makeup of the team. We've lost some big personalities, guys we love. I get it. Get over it. Uh, Lightning fans, that's all I can tell you. Get over it. We're here to win cups, not you know, have ceremonial you know, retirement runs. No offense to any of these guys. This is the business of the game. And, and I like Jay, I like what he's done, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's not a sentimental old fool like some general managers. Yeah, and, and for anybody who thinks that it's time to jump off a bandwagon with this team and that these moves mean the team is on the decline, that's oh not the God. case at all. You still have Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, Victor Hedman, Andre Vasilevsky, Steven Stamkos, you, Anthony Sorelli, really? Eric Cernak, Mikhail Sergeyev. There is a ton oh. of talent on this team, and, and to be able to bring in some of the players they have to surround them, this is not the Pittsburgh Penguins. This is not the Penguins who haven't won a series since they won the Cup in seventeen. This is a team that can still contend for a Stanley Cup. It's going to be more difficult. The division is more difficult. They're not as deep offensively. That's the one area I look at and say, mm, you need to get some production. You know, you need to get Asimont 10 to 15 goals. You need to get Nick Paul up to the 20-goal mark to give you a better feeling for depth-wise offensively. But this is still a team that can compete with a Stanley Cup because you have Andre Vasilevsky in net. You always have a chance. Damn right. Uh, thanks, Double E's. Appreciate it, my friend. We'll chat down the road. Thanks, buddy. Okay, boys. Be well. Uh, yeah, I mean, come on, people. What's wrong with you? We're, we're, this team's on the decline. The game is changing, and the Lightning are doing their best to to keep up with it, with what they can do in the salary cap. Would we like to keep all those guys? You know, honestly, no, because teams get stale. 
You need new life. You need new guys to come in and energize your team. If you ask me, would I like this group of guys over last year's group of guys? I'm going to say this group of guys. I think this is a team that's better suited for today's NHL hockey. And I'll go to, I, I think it's faster. Come on, man. We watched that fourth line last year. We love those guys, but man, they're so slow. They're so slow. Yeah. And, and and at times, we were not a tough team to play against. I thought we we got soft in a lot of areas. Um, defensively, we were bad. We were, and I don't, and I'm not putting them on the defenseman as much as I am the forwards on those third. I I don't know. Yeah, I, and I got to be honest. I know, like you know, the Atlantic Division is viewed as it's going to be tougher. I have to be completely honest. I think the Atlantic is going to be easier this year because yeah. I got news for you. Boston is not putting up 135 no, points or no whatever way. happened. Okay, I don't know what's going on with Patrice Bergeron. They traded Taylor Hall. They didn't bring back Orlov. They didn't bring back Bertuzzi. Okay, so that's three big players right there that you're taking out of your rotation. Hathaway as well. That's four big ones you're taking out of their rotation. Don't know what's going on with Bergeron. They're getting older with Marshand, obviously. They brought back Milan Lucic, for crying out loud. Talking about get talk about going on ceremonial retirement tours, bringing back old faces when they just don't have it anymore. Go look at Boston with Milan Lucic. Don't think Olmark's going to be the same player. Let's let's be honest. He's not replicating that season. And then Toronto, uh, Ryan Reeves was their was who they had to have. They had to go get Ryan Reeves. Yep. Really. And Max Domi, who's been around the park and hasn't really worked out anywhere. Uh, so I don't. I'm not liking what I see out of Toronto and the pressure cooker that it is. Florida, they got just got hot at the right time. Not trying to discredit what they did. That's kind of how it works. But they got hot at the right time. Are they going to replicate that? Uh, and then the other, the rest of the Atlantic, Buffalo, Ottawa, uh, Detroit, Montreal. I'll tell you right now, Detroit, Montreal. I don't think have gotten any better. I'm still mm-hmm. perplexed by some of the moves that, especially Detroit, has made. Um, and then Ottawa, is, to me, is just kind of right in the middle of the road. And as Eric mentioned, they're trying to trade Debrinket, which makes no sense if you're trying to compete. Uh, so I think they're still a ways away. And then Buffalo's the trendy team. They're kind of like the Detroit Lions of, of the NHL, if you right. want to put it that way. But So I think the East, honestly, is going to take a step back next year. I really do. I don't think you're going to see a situation where you have four teams with over 100 points in the, in the Atlantic this season. So I think that goes in the Lightning's favor. I think the Metropolitan... Is actually the is it actually the division in the East to me that's going to be a gauntlet, not the, not the Atlantic. Yeah, and look, you got to go through them all. But to, to me, you, you know, everybody's got their teams. We still have the best core in the game, I think, uh, and I still think that we have uh, we have the one thing we haven't had for the last five years: rest. I think this team, I just think this team needed a mental and physical break. And I think they're going to come out like gangbusters. I, I, I'm just hoping they don't sprint out of the gate too fast, like like Boston. Um, I hope they, you know, but they're smart enough to know that they got to leave some in the tank for the to, for when it matters most. Yeah. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, I, I know I just like this team better. I mean, I, if you, I, if, listen, if you, and also 88, we went really, we didn't really talk about it. if you get if you get an 88 who's well rested. Right. who admitted that he was burned out last year pretty early on in the regular season, a healthy yep. and rested 88 who's still in the prime of his career, that to me is the big dip. Because we just didn't have that guy, I thought, in the playoffs. No, we did not. We did not. I'm just I'm here to tell you. You know, no, we, nobody wants to criticize Vassie. Um, look, you know, last year, Brady wasn't Brady and Vassie wasn't Vassie. 
And that's why we didn't win championships last year, in my opinion. Um, and, and, and that's no knock on Vassy. For God's sakes, look how much pressure-packed hockey the dude has played. It's unprecedented. I, I can't go back and find a player that has played more playoff games. You won't. In the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years, in that small amount of, of time, as a, as a goalie, pressure-packed hockey, you know? He didn't miss a game in the playoffs. Right. So, for four years, I, I'm sorry. The guy needs a little bit of a break, and I think he's going to be tremendous. I think he's going to win the Vezina, um, and I think he's going to lead this team deep into the playoffs. I'm not going to you know sit up here and say, oh, they're going to win the Cup, you know, it's a long season. We'll see what happens. But, again, uh, as I look around the league, look, Edmonton is is ferociously good. The Vegas, you know, can Aiden Hill be that good uh, for that long? I'll tell, tell you who I think's about to wake up this year and be oh. back to what they were is Colorado. I, I've taken note to what they've done. I, yeah. think, I think Colorado, they added Ross Colton. They added Drew in, who I know everybody's like, oh, remember him? And, he has he's had a rough go of late, but you know what? Meh. You know he Meh. you know who he played with before he got drafted by the, you know who he played with in juniors? Who? McKinnon. And him and McKinnon were absolutely lethal. Now obviously this is a decade ago, but if I think anybody's gonna revitalize that guy's career, I think it's me Colorado. They made some other really good moves. I think Colorado is the, is still I think they're the team to beat in the West. Hmm. I, in my opinion. It might maybe the NHL. I mean just right now with looking at things, I think Colorado's the team to beat. All right. We shall see. Um, but I, I like, listen, if you're a Lightning fan and you're jumping off the bandwagon, you're an idiot. <laughs> you're an idiot. Give up your tickets to somebody with some faith. Because I think this team's, I think I think Eric's right on the money. Um, what Bruce Broad did with nothing was unbelievable. And, you know, he mentioned Glenn Denning and faceoffs. Damn, how, how often do we need a guy to win a big faceoff against Toronto? Yep. Um, I mean, so I, I love it. I love it all. Um, yeah, and if if uh, as Bruce said, <laughs> Druan, such a wasted talent. If you're banking on Jonathan Druan, you you're going to the wrong bank, bro. I just I like the fit. <laughs> if he plays with McKinnon, I think there's something there. I don't know. Yeah. All right. We'll uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Um, we're gonna get into some Bucks news. There's another publication out there dumping on the Bucks. I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, Mike Evans chat a little bit over the weekend. We'll get into that. He's got his eyes on the prize. And um, some other, oh, we've got to get back to the race, too. we got some more Kevin Cash to get you, some more Julian Breezebois. A lot more coming in the 11 o'clock hour. Brought to you by the great folks at Italiano Insurance. Great time to uh, get them to shop your insurance needs. They got me some new auto insurance uh, last week. Saved me $600. $600 in uh, a six-month um uh, contract. So do that. 813-877-7799. Back in three. All right. This is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up. 
on TrueBody and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, B-A-M-M-C.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa, and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up, they're going down, they're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the Internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events 
the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay, from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, let's rock. This is FanStream Sports with JP. All right, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show here on this Monday. Uh, great to hear from Eric Erlinson. Great to uh, get some great insight on some of the moves by the Lightning. We'll get to Julian Breesbois here, a couple more clips from him. We'll hear from Kevin Cash in his second hour. We'll talk some Buccaneers, uh, some college football, all coming your way here, and and we got to get to all my my Vegas stories. Had tons of great Vegas stories. The match was fun. The match was fun. So we'll get get into that a little bit later on. I got up close and personal with uh, with Patrick Mahomes and uh, Clay Thompson and Steph and Travis Kelsey was a nut job. Uh, uh, Chuck Barkley out there doing the match, so we'll get to that uh, in our second hour as well. But I wanted to um, hear a little bit more from Julian Breezebois, if we can, Nick. Uh, we heard his soundbite on losing Kalorn. Uh, now let's hear him talk about the new signings uh, that we just chatted about as well. Here's uh, Julian Breezebois. Uh, yeah, well, in no particular order, um, maybe work my way Yeah. Uh, uh, f- from our, our back end uh, up front, we signed Jonas Johansson uh, to a two-year contract to uh, be our backup goaltender. Uh, Jonas is, is still a young uh, goalie who we feel has untapped potential. Uh, we are excited to get to work uh, with him. Uh, he has tremendous size. He has some NHL experience. Uh, he's actually put up really good numbers uh, when he's had the opportunity to play in the NHL. Uh, over the years, um, no, obviously cost uh, or, or cap space is a consideration for that position, um, and you know to be able to lock up our backup goaltender for what is the league minimum for the next two years is of great value to us from a cap management standpoint. To bring in a a still relatively young goaltender that has that size and uh, that track record uh, at the NHL level. Uh, and come in for that cap number, uh, we feel will provide us tremendous value for the next two years. Then if we move up to our forward group, uh, we signed Connor Sheary to a three-year contract. Uh, Connor uh, is a well-established top nine forward at the NHL level, can play really up and down your lineup, uh, either wings, uh, has a history of playing with elite players, uh, both in Pittsburgh where he won two Stanley Cups, uh, and uh, play with Sidney Crosby and uh, Gino Malkin, and more recently playing in Washington where he got to play with Alex Ovechkin. Uh, no, not everyone has the ability to play with you know elite players like that, but uh, Connor has proven that he can do that, uh, can kill penalties, can play on the power play, so super versatile player uh, that coaches are going to ha- really enjoy having on the team because of uh, all of the flexibility he will provide our roster. Uh, also comes in with a, a winning winning pedigree. Um, 
Lou Glendening is uh, a, a center uh, that we have signed as well. Right shot center uh, who excels at taking draws. Uh, really effective penalty killer. Uh, gives us a, an option for uh, for taking uh, uh, you know right side faceoffs, uh, especially on the penalty kill. Um, really hard to play against. Uh, good shutdown, uh, checking forward. Uh, that has had that role for many years in the league and has been successful in that role for many years in the league and one of the pre premier uh, face-off guys in the league. Uh, adds speed to our, our bottom six, uh, so that was uh, also of value to us. Signed for two years at $800,000. Uh, again, what we feel will provide us really good value and, and help us win uh, Help us win going forward. Um, Josh Archibald also signed to a two-year deal. Uh, bottom six winger um, signed to a two-year deal for $800,000 again provides a lot of speed hard to play against can kill penalties uh, really good four checker both he and Luke Clendening and Connor Shearer are all really good four checkers so kind of fits the identity we want to play with where we're playing with pace we're aggressively and relentlessly uh, four checking creating turnovers and generating offense off of those turnovers um, all three of these forwards are uh, really effective checkers uh, who will, you know, who can help you help you um, protect leads. Um, can play against the other team's best players, so it's not always on our our, our you know first and second lines to 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 get those matchups. Uh, and I think that's going to also free up some of our of our our higher higher scoring forwards from some of those defensive responsibilities, uh, knowing that our players in, that will likely be in our bottom six are able to uh, assume the, that role for us. There's uh, Julian Breesbois right there uh, running down all of the players that he signed, uh, better in his words than our words, but that's what he was looking for in terms of uh, getting these new guys for as cheap as they could. Um, obviously coming to play in Tampa Bay, is a great draw these days. So you get some some guys maybe at a at a lower level, and, and guys that know that you know this is an opportunity to win a cup. This is still one of the best cores in in, in hockey. So um, let's keep it. Should we keep it going there with? Uh, yeah, with, we'll we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll play the last one here that I had from Breeze Bois. Uh, if he had an update here on where things stand with uh, Hagel and Stamkos, which is the next two, or actually behind Janot, the next two big things that they have to get done here. Probably this season or next season. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't have anything to announce right now, or, or don't expect to have anything in the short term. Uh, with the cap constraints uh, being more and more, uh, um, you know, challenging to navigate, uh, it, it makes it harder and harder to get deals done early on. Um, but uh, we obviously. Think tremendously of both players, uh, and and hope that both will be with us uh, beyond next season. And we have plenty of time to get them signed before they become under. Uh, well, in, in Stammer's case, an unrestricted free agent, and in uh, uh, Brandon's case, a uh, restricted free agent with arbitration rights next summer. All right, there's uh, Julian Breesbois, um on on the Lightning's possible extensions. I like I said, I like where they're at. Uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up, I brought this up on Twitter this weekend. 
You know, I kind of like to see the NHL take a, a, a page out of some of the other league's books and find a way for teams to have an advantage keeping their own players. You know, whether it's being able to restructure contracts like the NFL does or, you know, and their salary cap and extend them or maybe have some exceptions for, like the NBA does, for keeping your own players. I think that's something, you know, and, and, and owners can choose, like in the NBA, if they want to go over, you know, a, a luxury tax or what have you, uh, they can do so. I, I think it's beneficial for, especially in hockey, I think you get better play with longer long-term chemistry. I just think it's better for the game. I think it's better for the fans, number one. Um, what do you think about that, Nick? In order to you know, have, allowing some exceptions, like say 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 a plot or something like that, a, a, team, a guy that's been with the team, a Kalorn, it's a perfect example. A team that if you've been with a team for more than say eight years, you're allowed to you know uh, go eight to ten million dollars over the salary cap to keep your own players. What do you think about that? Well, you're asking a lot from from Mr. Bettman. To, to do some radical, so do <laughs> well, some. He's not, well, he's not busy with every, you know, fixing the world. You know, let's let's, let's say maybe he can dig I into mean, but fixing his league. But you're asking him to make radical changes to his beloved league, which I don't yeah. think he really is interested. I mean, just look at the the, the playoff format. It doesn't matter. The star player of the league or was still is to an extent. Sidney Crosby, you know says that you know the playoff format probably needs to go back to what it used to be or it needs to change from what it is because it's probably really ridiculous right now and Gary Bettman has no interest even though the star player and everybody in the league will tell you the playoff format sucks okay he's just it, this is what it is or you know continuing to to pump resources into a dead market in Arizona that has no future for the NHL as far as I'm concerned when you have yeah. other cities who are hungry a la Quebec yeah. City, that would take that team in a heartbeat and would sell it at a Already has night. a stadium ready to go. Already has yeah. an arena ready to go. So that's my that's my overall point there. Would I like to see that? Of course I would. I think it's a cool thing, but I think you're asking a little too much out of out of the commissioner of the NHL to make a, a right decision here. So I don't think it's ever going to happen. I mean, look at I think it's full. I think it's foolish enough that the the NHL cap has hardly moved. It's hardly moved over the last years, and even like now, like, what did it go up? Like a million, a little bit, two million, like at most. Like the cap doesn't move whatsoever. So you make it, you're making it even more difficult on your teams to even to keep this continuity together. To your point, because the cap just doesn't go up, and then I think you get into points where a lot of teams don't have a lot of excess money to excess money to spend, and then you get into free agency this year. And if you've been keeping track to these deals. The free agency class looks like it's going to be the same one that we had this year because everybody's going on one-year deals for the most part. Yeah. And because and yeah. like, teams aren't spending a lot because, like, of, the cap. because yeah. of the cap. I mean, so I, I think the NHL has bigger issues to fry, quite frankly, when it comes to that. I mean, that, that'd be kind of a, an add-on if they can fix this cap situation. But again, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Gary Bettman, right? You know, clearly. So I think he has other things I think he needs to fix first before we even touch that subject. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think I think it would be something. I haven't heard anybody really talk about it though. I think no, it would be something either. to get you know get some of these you know bigger names in hockey than than me and you um, start to talk this up because I think the fans would 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 welcome it wonderfully because the cap's going to go up in the next few years and I think this would be a more creative way um, for the cap to go up. Quite frankly, obviously the players' association would be all for it because it's more money for players. It extends well, the cap as well. The whole the whole cap thing just frustrates me as a whole because it's like the NHL's not 
poor. Does it make the same profit as the NBA and the NFL and the ML? No. But like, come on. I mean, how many? What's their? How many? What's their revenue like a year? It's like five billion or something like that, and probably rising. <coughs> look, the, the game. What's the look, point of having? Covered. What's the point of having a cap as low as it is after all this time? It just makes no sense. And then I, I it's like, to me, it's the biggest contrast is when you see the NBA this this weekend and you see the deals that guys are getting. I mean, there's no name guys in the NBA are making more money than than Connor McDavid. And it's just yeah, weird but to that's, me. That's it's always going to be the case me. because the, you know the NBA is such a smaller. Uh, I get it, roster. twelve guys, but the NHL's. I mean, it's yeah. twenty. It's the most comparable of the other ones. But I know it's not. I know it's almost apples to oranges. I'm just listen. I, I'm just on a soapbox because I'm seeing all these teams give out huge money yeah. to guys who are going to play like seven minutes a night, and then in the NHL yeah, the it's like ridiculous. In the NHL, it's like we're fighting to get a buck here. Well, it's the NBA, bro. That, that that Chinese money goes a long way. And they work hard for it, too, those boys. So, um, yeah, it's it's just – and I think the NHL is a much better product than the NBA. I do, Much too. better product than the NBA. I think it's a better product than baseball, quite frankly. Um, I'd rather watch it than college basketball. I mean, after NFL and college football, um, you know, NHL is my third favorite sport. And I, you know, and when it comes to you know playoff hockey, it may be my favorite sport because that's that's just nothing nothing like it. And I, and I think I don't know what the hell Bettman's doing. I really don't. Because, well, we know what he's doing. He's he's spending times on the wrong things, in my my opinion. Because this team, this league, should be expanding in droves, and he should be he should be up ESPN's ass to give them um, better better promotion, better looks, better everything. Because um, I think they're getting short shrifted big time, uh, and, and they just this 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 league needs to be more exposed. It's got the best product, one of the best products in sports. It should be making more money than baseball. Well, of course, baseball has twice as many games. I get it, um, but it should be better. The players should be making more money. It's it should be more of a world. They should be making more money on the worldwide stage. I don't think they take advantage of the global market like they do. I just don't think Bettman's centered on where he should be centered on. I think he's more worried about other things that that have nothing to do with the the growth of of the, the real growth of the game. To be be quite honest, so um, we'll, we'll, and I think that would be a great idea since you know I thought of it. Oh, of course, uh, <laughs> to, to allow teams. But I mean, the Lightning are a perfect example of that. I mean, I think it's number one. It, the fans would love it. Fans would love it. Um, all right, so before you go out, get out of here, Nick's got to go uh, officiate a wedding or some some shenanigans, right? What is that? What you're doing? I don't know. What, I have you, I have a friend. Get, I have a friend getting married today. Okay. Uh, all right. Do you have time to play the cash before you get out of here? I do. Yes. All right. Let's get cash. This is cash. Yesterday, as we transition back to the to the raise a little bit um, after that ridiculous call, um, which he'll try to explain to us. All right, we'll start with going back to the bottom of the third. I guess it started with Julio in France, eventually became a five-run inning. What were you seeing from Taj in that inning? You know, it just couldn't put guys away. I thought he had pretty good stuff. Uh, came out of the gate just pumping strikes with some nasty stuff, and I don't think it went away. It just the the, the finish to, to get those in those two strike counts didn't come like they normally do. I mean, Taj is going to be a strikeout guy probably the rest of his career, uh, and they did a good job in late in counts of putting balls in play and putting pressure and getting guys on base. And then Isak in France, what did you see, and what was the explanation from the umps? Yeah, well, I'm glad Isak is okay. Uh, look, it was a very unique Unique, tricky play, very tough call. Um, 
I think the, the, the ruling is if if the runner, excuse me, if the fielder has a chance to field the ball before impact, uh, it's not considered obstruction. So it doesn't rule in favor of the de- defensive player. I'm sure we'll get some more clarity on that, uh, but that's how they saw it. You said Isak is, is doing okay, yeah. aside from that rib discomfort, I guess? Yeah, I believe he went and got x-rays, quick x-rays, negative, so that that's good for us. So... I guess it looked like Guccione clearly called interference or obstruction and out. So how did that change? He didn't have the best angle. So Jordan at second base felt like he had a better angle um, and and said that, in in his opinion, that the ball, Isak had already had a chance to field the ball. So he didn't have a chance to field it at the time of impact is what you're saying they were told you. Uh, correct. That's the initial call that uh, Chris made. But then when Jordan saw it from a different angle, uh, they changed it over. Okay. Right, that was the other way. Yeah. And then uh, Jason Adam, that yeah. obviously got away. They didn't even get a hit. Was, yeah. I mean, tough outing. Thing. Yeah. You just couldn't, couldn't, uh, you know, sometimes pitchers don't feel it and, and can't get that feeling. Generally, we see him kind of get, get back in the zone, but Jason, for whatever reason, just couldn't do that. Uh, you know, consistently up and in to a lot of righties with sliders and fastballs. Uh, just a tough outing. Just to have that big of a lead and let it get away. Yeah, that's this. Um, Generally, when we have leads like that, we we end up winning those games. Um, And like to think if we're in that position again, we'll find a way to win. Well, I I think uh, Kevin Cash was as miffed as most of of us are. I think it's a horseshit explanation from the umpires. It's completely over-officiating. It's overthinking. If you missed the first part of the show... Uh, or miss the play, Paredes is coming in to field a ball, and Ty France just bulldozes him on the way in to field the ball. And by a split second, the ball may have been may have gotten by Paredes because he could see out of the side of his eyes, peripheral vision, a 220-pound man about to blow him up. And he lifts up his glove to, to absorb the blow because he's thinking, of course, the runner's going to run around him. That's what they always do. That's what they're supposed to do. But this guy just plows him over. He can't make the play. And for some ridiculous reason... The umps don't call interference. It leads to four more runs, and the Rays end up losing the game and blowing a 6-1 lead. Um, and, and you can say, well, they could have come back. Look, of course they could have, but don't make the stupid-ass call. Stupid-ass call. And then we don't have to worry about it. We have to talk about it. So, whatever. It is what it is. Yeah, but all right. Uh, no, I was going right, to let you. Yeah, go I'll, I'll go in a second here, but uh, I'm just going to point out, too, by the way, uh, I'm really looking forward to the, and we'll get obviously more into it this week. This week as we go on, but uh, remember the Atlanta series is coming up, and if you if you missed your your chance to get the tickets, you're going to have to shell out some big bucks to go to this Atlanta series. I looked at the tickets yesterday, JP. We're mm-hmm. talking like ninety dollars is the cheapest seat remaining in the place. That's it. $90. Yeah, I'm not, this is going to be a big... I'm not up with the details uh, on exactly how many seats are left and how many $10 seats they sold for this game that you know were probably bought up at the beginning of the season. Um, I don't know exactly, but I just have to give, you know, we give the Rays a hard time for their ticket prices. We have, and they've, and they've you know, they've hurt us. They've, they've, they've certainly have changed a lot of their policies. So I don't know. I don't want to criticize them because I don't know when the tickets were bought. Oh, no, bought. I'm not bringing it to criticize it. I'm just pointing out that this is a – this is. Go- I'm just merely saying I'm going to be in the building on Friday night, and I can't wait because it looks, there's like barely any tickets remaining. 
is my point. Right. And so this series right. against the Braves is just going to be crazy excitement around it. Well, listen, the Braves um, are the, have the best record in baseball now. Yes. So uh, the Rays have been dethroned. And now they'll come to the to the to the slop, and we'll see. Oh my goodness! There's we'll no need can... no need to go that far. There's no need to go that far. Oh, can't wait for a new stadium in Tampa, right there on the water, Ebor Marina. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah. People losing their minds over the weekend with me. About, oh, I saw. Him. I saw. Him. You said it's going to be in Tampa. We're one. People are like, oh, it's a one percent chance it won't it won't be in in, in St. Petersburg. I'm like. All right, we'll see. We'll see how it all works out. You know, I'm done predicting. I uh, this is this is my opinion. It's what I think is going to happen. So, uh, I still don't see it happening in St. Pete, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. All right, uh, we'll let you get out of here, Nick Geddes. Nick, uh, intern Nick's jumping in your sh- in your chair. All right, a lot of pressure got. for the young man, the young rookie. Tap. We bring it in the lefty. Are the right? Are we are we are we bringing in Beaks or are we bringing in Deekman? What are we doing here? <laughs> I think we got Beaks coming in. I don't know. We'll see what we'll see how he performs. We'll see. Uh, was he going to give up the? Uh, forget it. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side, hopefully, because intern Nick's going to be running the show, uh, and we'll be back with some more. We'll talk some Buccaneers, talk some college football. We got some other great stuff coming your way. Stay with us. Guys, are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had? It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old. It's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well. So do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability. Not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back. That doesn't happen with the Jeeves Law Group. Personal attention is what they're all about. When you call the Jeeves Law Group, you will be part of the family. They will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies. These larger companies will promise bigger settlements, but it's the Jeeves Law Group that will get you the best results. If you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms, check out the Jeeves Law Group. Go to JeevesLawGroup.com, tell them JP sent you, get a free consultation. It's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. 
or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls, but as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events, the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay, from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions, they are awesome. Coming back at you. Now, more with JP on FanStream Sports. Only just begun. I guess we're having a problem here. There we go. There we go. My bad. All right. Unfortunately, I can hear myself there. Now, now I don't hear myself. All right, you're good. Now get yourself centered up in there. Get your get your laptop. There you go. Now you're looking good. Now you're looking good. How you doing this morning, partner? I'm doing good. You feeling nervous? You coming in and out of the bullpen for Nick? You feeling good? I mean, I was a little nervous, and then you compared me to Jalen Beeks. Then, well, yeah, right. It can only go up from there, yeah. right? So. You know, all right, just relax. Have some fun with us. This is this is fun. Yeah. Just make sure you push the right buttons, and everybody will be happy. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. So listen. You know, we like to hear different voices on the show every now and then. You just brought some topics to play that we don't uh, often talk about. I will tell you, I actually did watch a little soccer last night as um, we got some retribution on the team that took us out of the World Cup and uh, made uh, the famous, the great. Uh, Phrase: What are we doing? What are we doing? When the USA lost to Trinidad and Tobago, or Tobago, whatever the hell you want to say it, 
uh, what is that, six, seven years ago, whatever, and couldn't go to the World Cup. Yep. Uh, but last night we whooped their ass six to nothing. And uh, give us an update on the United States men's team. Well, that was the end, end of the group stages. So now we get into the, the real stuff, knockout rounds. Uh, I don't believe our opponent has been determined yet. We're supposed to face the runner-up of one of the groups. That should be decided soon. But our next game should be, I want to say, the 8th. And this is the uh, the CONCACAF, right? Yes, the CONCACAF Gold Cup. you got to tell everybody what that is and, and what the significance is and all that good stuff. Because um, most people don't follow soccer. Yeah, it's the biggest uh, competition in uh, in the CONCACAF. Um, normally, it's pretty much a battle bef- between U.S. and Mexico because like, they've pretty much won all of it except for one time when Canada randomly won it. If we win it, we tie the record for most cups. So it is kind of like you know, it's kind of like the bragging rights of you know of Concacaf, and that's why and that's big that's deal. North America and Central America, correct? Yes. Doesn't it doesn't count South America? Don't no, have the great Brazil yeah. and Argentina, all those great. So uh, we should be winning this all the time. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the only team that could maybe take it is Mexico, and they just lost yesterday to Qatar. One is Qatar and Concacaf? Yeah, that surprised me. Uh, they are. That's weird. Yeah. No, you think that's weird? Not only did they lose one nothing. If you look at the shots, the uh, shots on goal, Mexico had twenty five. Qatar only had one, and that was the only one that won in. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Um, well, yeah, twenty five, and they only one that goes. That's crazy. That's 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 how crazy soccer can be. Um, all right, I wanted to. Um, <laughs> I'm getting some text here, Miss. Uh, we'll have to do that tomorrow. Corey Long is texting me about he wants to get on today, but but since I, I don't know if I want to give you that that uh, that responsibility, Nick, to call somebody and get them on the air. So we'll have to do that tomorrow. Um, he had a raise question for me. I can only only imagine what that is. Um, so I want to talk a little Buccaneers because uh, Mike Evans did a little interview over the weekend, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, in in uh, he was doing his camp in uh, in Houston. And did an interview with KPRC, uh, Houston's Ari Alexander. And he asked him about Jerry Rice's mark of 11 straight 1,000-yard seasons. And he said, I do think about it. It's right there. Um, I'm already one of one right now. I hope I can pass the great Jerry Rice and his record. Obviously, nobody will, will pass his records probably like ever total. But that 1,000-yard streak uh, would be cool to have. Um, and as a uh, kind of a background to that, Rice fell 73 receiving yards short of 1,000 during his 85 rookie season before eclipsing the mark in each year from 86 to 96, six times leading the league uh, during that span. And he holds the record for most 1,000-yard seasons with 14. Uh, obviously, Evans has the overall record to start his career with nine straight 1,000-yard seasons. Um, there's a five-way tie for third most thousand-yard campaigns in a career. Evans can pass Randy Moss for second most overall and tie Jerry Rice's record for consecutive. Now, does he? Does Evans have nine or ten? Is he at nine or ten? Uh, let me. I think he's at nine. Shit. Right? I th- I think it's nine. Yeah. Let me confirm that. Yeah. Um, so he's you know he said uh, I should get a thousand yards if I'm healthy every year. It ain't that. I want to be one of the tops in the league, and I want to be winning games. That's what I care about. That's what I love about Mike. It's He's selfless. Um, and talking about his quarterbacks, he said, Kyle's improved a lot. I'm really impressed with what I've seen from Baker. 
whoever the quarterback will be, I'm positive they're going to make, make the right choice and we're going to win some games. Um, I saw another, um, another one of the big uh, publications do best rosters in the league, and of course they had the Chiefs at the top, and they had the Bucks at 27, the fifth worst roster in football. Wow, that low? Yeah, and as somebody put it, when you look at it from a starting standpoint, we lost Brady, Mike Edwards, and SMB from last year. Right. Uh, when everybody had, you know, at the beginning of the year, our roster was the uh, second best to win the Super Bowl. But now without those three starters, suddenly it's the 27th ranked roster. It's just This is the Brady effect on steroids, right? This yeah. is, uh, oh, well, they go, same team going from Brady to Baker Mayfield, uh, two wins. I mean, it's so lazy, and it's ridiculous. Um, listen, this team might may fall flat on their face because of lack of leadership. Um, if Todd Bowles cannot become a better game manager, cannot uh, create more accountability on this team, uh, then this team might be a four-win team. Uh, but the roster says way different. Um, I mean, guys that have been to the Pro Bowl off the top of my head, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Ryan Jensen, All-Pro, Tristan Wirfs, All-Pro, um, Vita Vea, Shaq Barrett, and I know Shaq's coming off the injury. I get it. Uh, Devin White, uh, Levante David, Antoine Winfield, and, and two corners that are among the best in the league. And, you, <laughs> and you're going to tell me that's the 27th best roster in the league? Okay. All right. Whatever you say, experts. Um, I'm excited to see this team play. And and I, I think I think if Mike Evans were being completely honest, and it's great to, to hear him say that Kyle's improved tremendously. And I think the fact that uh, you know he's getting reps and battling Baker Mayfield tells me that you know I I, I, I I'm not going to say he's going to be the worst quarterback in the league, but I I would have loved to have seen him play against Atlanta last year. It's still a complete buffoonery why we didn't do that. Um, so I just I think Baker's got the job, and I think he's going to do. I'm not. I'm looking. I think it's going to be very comparable to the season he took the Browns to the uh, to the playoffs and won a game. I think it was 27 touchdowns, eight or nine interceptions that year with a really strong running game. And I think that's what Todd Bowles is trying to replicate. And I think they can do it. I really do. You got a Bucks take, Nick? No, I do too. Honestly, you kind of hit it on the head there when you were like, I think he can have the season he had when he took the Browns to the playoffs. I feel the same way. Because um, at the end of the day, he's only had like maybe like two legitimately bad seasons back-to-back. One was because he took that horrible injury in his final year in Cleveland. And then last year right. was just weird. But like he's still like really young, and he's still got you know a chance to turn it around. He's Arguably, he's playing with the most talent he's ever had. I mean, you just listed it off, which is why I can't believe that they put us at 27. It's like, do you know how many teams would kill to have the level of talent that we still have? Yeah. So, no, like, I th- I really hope. That's why I can't wait for the season in the sense that I really think that we're going to be able to shock some people. And I also do think that the, even the Bucks are starting to lean a little bit toward uh, Baker being the starter because if you look at their social media, they're literally posting him everywhere. Like, they just posted a video of him trying to name uh, – I'd, I'd look this up because it's pretty funny. German, uh, they're showing him German football team logos, soccer, and he has to try to name them, and he's getting them so wrong. Who's this? Baker Mayfield. It's like their oh, most recent God. Instagram. Yeah, it's their most recent Instagram post. 
You know what I love about Baker too is he's like the Bucks have asked him to do a lot of different things, you know, and he has shown up at everything. They asked him to go out and do a golf thing with Casey Phillips. I'm into it. You know, he's it, did a great job with it. Uh, all these, every, he's been at every OTA, he's been at every charity event, he's been at everything, um, and that shows a level of humility and 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 also just commitment to the team. You know, he understands. He's been in this league long enough, and he understands. And not to say that Kyle Trask hasn't, because I, I saw Kyle at a bunch of events too. But I think Baker, more than anything, understands that he can't come in here and be, you know, hey, I'm the number one overall pick. Uh, I, I should own this job. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm here to, to, to get my, you know, get some, get, get some good numbers and then move on to the next, next deal, get a big contract, re- rehabilitate myself. He could have, you know, he could have done that. But instead, he said, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to be humble. I'm going to be accountable to everybody. I'm not going to go off on stupid media questions, um, which we've heard plenty of them. I'm not going to, I'm going to show my teammates that I'm here to work my ass off. And I'm, no, you know, I'm going to work with them, not above them. Uh, I think he's done everything right. He's answered every question right. He's done everything right that he knows he needs to do to be a leader, an accountability leader, and, and have that credibility. So I, you know, I'm, I'm hats off to him. Everybody's watching his every move, and he's done everything right. That's hard to do. That's hard to do. No missteps for him. And from what I've seen, which was only one day uh, in a shorter practice, but in talking to everybody that's been out there a lot, we've had the Pewter Report guys on, he's been phenomenal. He's been phenomenal. And I'm, um, I'm here for it. I think it, I'm, I'm going to bet on him for comeback player of the year. And I think, I think um, the offense is definitely going to be better than it was last year with Tom Brady. So – We'll see. Yeah. I mean, either way, we're rooting for him. He's done nothing. He's done everything right. He's just the kind of guy you want to root for. Yes, no doubt about that. Um, all right, you went to uh, Jacksonville, right? I did. And saw the Durham Bulls play, and one Curtis Mead, who is uh, one of the up-and-coming prospects for the Rays, uh, your thoughts on on what you saw? He should have hit for the cycle that day. He had, literally had everything. He had the single, the double, the triple. He was only a few feet away from hitting a home run. I thought it was gone when it happened. And, of course, they robbed him the next one when he walked it. But, man, he had an impressive game. And considering that was his first game back from injury, that's what made it really impressive. And he wasn't the only one. Jonathan Arenado was there. We talked about him on the show in the, in the past. He literally Aranda? Aranda. Jonathan Aranda. Yes. Aranda, thank you. Yes. He had two home runs that day. And then uh, I can always – and then uh, trying to I – I always mispronounce his last name. It's Kyle F. something. He's – one of our selections to go to the uh, All Star Futures game. Yes, yes. Uh, what is his name? I'll, I'll look it up later. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but uh, yeah, he also killed it. Like we had. I mean, it w- they literally like the first inning. It w- it was over. They scored ten runs in the first inning. They scored so many runs that they couldn't fit fit them all on the uh, scoreboard. So the scoreboard just said zero. <laughs> Love that. Such yeah. minor league stuff. It's beautiful. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. Um, this team, and these are names that we're going to start hearing in the next few weeks. And by the way, Aroldis Chapman, off the board, mm-hmm. has gone to the Rangers. And I, when I saw that, I was like, eh. and this is coming from me, who was like, I want no part of Aroldis Chapman. But when I saw him deal against us, I was like, okay, I'll hold my nose and uh, and take him. And I don't, I don't think the – I was trying to think of what the Rangers gave up for him. I don't know if you saw um, – it didn't look like a lot, but I could be wrong. Be and I said to myself, huh, we're going to be facing the Rangers in the playoff. There's a good chance that we might face the Rangers 
in the playoffs. And if we do, are we going to rue the day that they got Aroldis Chapman and we did not? And I think there might be something to that. But we shall see. I just, I don't know. It kind of, I think the the Rays, especially after this past week, um, what we've seen from uh, the bullpen, even though the entire bullpen was, was one of the better bullpens in June, I think, uh, Nick said that they 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 turned around had the best ERA. I just don't see the back end of our bullpen right now as shut down as it needs to be in the playoffs. I just don't see it. I don't see it either. Like I, every time the bullpen gets up, I like get ready to feel really stressed because normally that's how I end up feeling. Yeah, Jason Adam, who was lights out last year, has just not been able to replicate that. Um, Fairbanks, I'm okay with, but I, I I don't know if I've seen the dominance that we saw last year. Um, you just, you know, it's got to be better. And at this point right now, I don't know. Uh, Rangers gave up left-hander Cole Reagans and rookie ball outfielder Ronnie Cabrera for Chapman. Uh, thanks, Tim. Appreciate that. Is, is Cole Reagans pretty good? Is he pretty good? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if those guys are any good. So, Tim, chime in. Let me know who they are. But I think that was a great move by the Rangers. I think that was a fantastic move. And if Chapman stays healthy... He's going to be lights out in the, in the ninth, and um, you know that's going to be a big because the Rangers can obviously score some runs, and if they get a lead, uh, it's lights out. I uh, guess who's trending on Twitter this morning, among others, is it Wander? Wander Franco. Um, Greg Harvey tweeted out: since the first All Star game in 1933, there have only been 18 first halves with 20 plus doubles, 25 plus stolen bases, 40 plus RBIs, and and 800 plus OPS. And only two have not been named to the All-Star Game. Jose Reyes in 2008 and Wander Franco in 2023. Ouch, babe. Ouch. That hurts. Jeez. Yeah, that's... that's. Yeah, that's that, shocking. I don't know what else you can say about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, third in the league in war... Doesn't matter which war you choose, Wander Franco is a top three player in the American League, and he's not named an All Star. Uh, yeah, I mean, any way you slice it, that's a snub. That's a snub. But as I mentioned in the earlier part of the show, maybe in the grand scheme of things for the Rays, it's not a bad thing because this might humble him a little bit. And who knows? Maybe that's the reason why he wasn't selected over Bo Bichette because certainly his numbers um, were, were better in terms of overall war. I know if you look just at offense, uh, you could put Bichette in there. But overall war, it's, you know, it's a shortstop position. It's a defensive position. So mm-hmm. I think the war number is much more applicable here. And he got snubbed. But you know what? Hopefully it keeps him humble, keeps him a little bit more hungry. And he might get named, named to the, anyway because of an injury. But in, in my mind, it's not the worst thing in the world. All right, Nick, you think you can hit a break? I absolutely can. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, we'll be back in three minutes to wrap this thing up. I got a couple of college football notes, um, some other things from over the weekend, maybe a couple of Vegas stories. I'm going I'm to save most of them for tomorrow, uh, but uh, we'll be back in three minutes, hopefully. Stay with us.
right, this is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just Get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa, and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up. They're going down. They're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com, or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now, and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man, Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients but it's the customer service that sets them apart they can shop all your insurance needs and save you big time money don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice generated robot these are confusing times for homeowners and italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation home auto business life it's italiano for all the pieces of your life Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show with JP on FanStream Sports. All right. Welcome back. Not not bad, Nick. Now, uh, Pop, we'll see if Papa's back up here. Da, 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 I got it. Don't worry. There we go. There we We're go. good. Exactly. Um, all right. We got the break in. Good job. All right, a couple other notes here before we get out of here. Uh, the Florida Gators have begun the planning process on a $400 million upgrade to the Swamp, which dreadfully needs it. Um, it obviously, the, the, the experience at the stadium inside is, I mean, it's as loud a football field as I've ever been at. Um, it was, I was there, I was there famously in 1993 where uh, Florida State was on its way to their first ever national championship it was third and 11, I believe, at the Gators around uh, 18, 19-yard line. And FSU had been really dominating this game. But Florida made a valiant comeback, juggling catch in the end zone by Jack Jackson. You remember that? Uh, and the place was going bonkers. I was down on the field. You could not 
talk to the other person next to you. It was so freaking loud. And then there was uh, Charlie Ward floating out to his left, finding Warwick Dunn along the sideline, a nice block in the back. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't called. That was for the Sammy Smith uh, holding call many years earlier in 1987 for your FSU Florida fans. Uh, a little payback there. So down the sideline he goes. It went from the loudest venue I've ever heard to one of the most quiet venues I've ever heard. But the Swamp is a home field advantage. It always has been, but it is it is so uh, horribly outdated in terms of modern amenities. Um, they put some nice luxury boxes in and done a real nice job with that, but just the overall concourse, um, it needs a, a, a definitely needs an upgrade. So they're, they've hired a, um, an architect now, $400 million they're going to put into it. It first opened in 1930 as a 22,000-seat stadium, and now it has uh, a capacity for over 90,000. Um, as Scott Strickland said, their uh, AD... Uh, we look forward to working along with an architect that will start providing options on what those answers could look like and allow to continue to host college football's biggest and best fans in the swamp. We're in the service business. We don't make widgets. We create experiences, whether it's for our student-athletes or staff or ultimately for Gator Nation. So when you're in a service business, there's not a lot of tangible results. It's a lot of intangible results, which means we just got to make it better for, for our fans. So um, look forward to that. And I, I don't know... You know they're obviously going to be able. They're going to keep playing while they're you know while they're doing these renovations. So that might be um, uh, a little difficult. I don't think they're going to close down the stadium. I haven't heard any thoughts about that. So um, and besides Jacksonville, the Jags may be coming to play in the swamp while all this is going on as well. So uh, we shall see. Um, what else? Oh, uh, a couple of uh, commenters wanted to mention this. Sports books may be opening in Florida again soon. So, yeah, um, looking forward to this. Bally's had their, uh, or the, I'm sorry, the Hard Rock. So the Hard Rock, yeah, the Hard Rock had their app open for a little while. Then all the gambling companies sued the state of Florida because DeSantis gave the monopoly to the Seminole tribe and got it and was going to get a ton, ton of money back. I kind of liked the deal myself. Um, keeping it here in Florida, but now we're going to have an invasion of all the other sports books. So um, I guess that's what's going to open up here soon, and I'll be probably losing more money than I need to. But um, that should. But what what is good but good about this though is the Rays, if they're smart, will use this to their advantage, and I think they will because they are smart and they know how to make money. Stu knows how to make money to put a sports book in the new stadium in Tampa. Huge revenue generators. So, yeah. And also, look for the Hard Rock, as Thomas Casper says, to uh, build out a new sports bar area. I believe in the addition they made by the pool, if you've been to the Hard Rock pool, there's a whole indoor area there where they do concerts and stuff now. But it's already, you know, it's already there ready for a sports book uh, in a smaller venue type. But they can also expand it out into that other area. So Hard Rock is way ahead of the game. They're going to have a sports book right there by the pool, which is going to be sweet and uh, ready to go. But definitely need to get them in the new baseball stadium, and that could be a great revenue generator. Uh, by the way, thanks, Tim, for the update on Cole Reagans as a mid-level reliever, 2-3 and three with a 5.92 ERA in 17 games. So they gave up nothing? Cabrera could be a stud. He was the real piece of the trade for Kansas. Okay, so Roni Cabrera is the, is the stud, but a long way away. So we could have given up a... An A-level stud 
and a middling reliever to get her old as Chapman? Apparently. Hmm. Well, it may come back to bite us in the ass, but I think, you know, Neander will go find somebody. He has to. They have to make a move in the bullpen. Um, that's a must. All right, what else did we forget, Nick? Anything else? Well, I want to give a shout-out to my school, UCF, on officially being joining the Big 12 on Saturday. On Saturday. Yes. Yes, golf clap. Yeah. We made also, it. Meanwhile, giving the finger to USF. But by the way, they were mean again to us last week. You USF fans, you're so, so thin-skinned. And by the way, one more little uh, math question.